This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast. Today, let's talk about emotion in marketing. So that's an interesting topic, of course, like as I may say so myself, all of our topics, um, because, you know, it can it can help you do better marketing, it can help you tell better stories. So today's guest is Ashley Pointer. She's the CEO of Content Rewired in Chicago. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ashley. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Awesome. Uh, so emotion and marketing, you were talking about that, I think, on LinkedIn. That's kind of how we connected. Uh, mm-hmm. thought it was interesting to, to talk about that topic with everybody um, on here. So when you talk about emotion and marketing, what are, what are we talking about? What, are, what does that look like in the wild? Sure. <laughs> um, so I mostly focus in the B2B realm. And really, that's where I see the biggest opportunity to add emotion into marketing And really what that means is finding a way to really connect with your prospective buyers and your audience. Um, And that's, you know, by arousing these very human emotions, whether it's um, happiness or sadness or fear um, and just kind of empathizing with your audience and instead of just talking at them. Instead of in, in, instead of just uh, sharing what the features are and why you're better than the rest. Right, 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 right. So, but B2B, I mean, that's supposed to be serious. Is it not, Ashley, <laughs> like business to business? I'm standing here in my suit. Nope. Nobody is wearing suits anymore, I think, during the coronavirus pandemic, um, <laughs> honestly. But uh, so when we talk about it, I mean, I, I've seen fantastic b2b marketing it doesn't have to be so stiff is that are we saying the same thing here or am i uh, going off on a tangent no that's absolutely right i think that's a a preconceived notion that b2b is serious and you must always speak in this authoritative tone and you're always telling people things and really um research shows that a b2b audience is actually relying on their own emotional feedback more than a b2c audience may even when it comes to making purchasing decisions absolutely because we're all just humans at the end of the day right that's the old uh, human to human marketing model i guess yeah how uh, so how does that look though in in b2b especially how do you uh like like what's an example of emotion in marketing like is it are we talking about scaring people into if you don't buy this product, you will, your building will burn, even though, you know what I mean? Is, sure. I mean, is that what we're talking about or, or what's the use case? Well, I think it can look a lot of different ways um, and it doesn't necessarily need dramatic, although it could be. Um, I, I actually saw a great example of a couple years ago and it was regarding um, printers. And 
think it was HP maybe, and they did this wonderful, I think it was a whole campaign, but they did this wonderful video. And obviously they had sort of a mega budget for this. So they brought in Christian Slater uh, to narrate and play a role in this. But essentially what they were doing was showing the audience all of the things that can go wrong if you don't have secure printer systems. And, you know, to contrast that, I think the alternative option is to just kind of put up a video that says, here's our printer, here's all the different security features, isn't that neat? And what this video did instead was ran through actual scenarios that could happen, whether it's having a hacker tap into your network or, you know, whatever the thing might be. And it made it, you know, more of a visceral experience for someone who would be responsible for buying printers for a business. They're going to you know, know what that feels like. Ooh, I don't want that on my shoulders if I'm the person responsible for doing this. And I think, you know, that is a little bit of fear, but it's the right kind of fear. It's it's showing that, hey, we're here to help you do your job better. And isn't that what you want? So it's interesting to me because when you, when you push it too far, right, the fear button or the uh, fearful emotion, um, I, it, it, there's a fine line to be in just... Uh, a slimy salesperson, I guess, for lack of a better term. Is there not? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where the empathy element comes in. And, mm -hmm. you know, you got to really tap into what a, a real person, how they would react and be able to understand just how far you can push that lever. And before it starts to come off, as you say, is a, you know, used, used car salesman uh, territory. So is part of the problem, though, that we're just being too serious and we're, every, I mean, I just think about when you when you go into a B2B company or, or maybe even some B2C companies or many of them, honestly, um, there is everybody wants to have their hand in the pie. Everybody wants to, oh, we got to fiddle this copy one more time. Oh, that was creative when we started. They don't say that. I'm saying that, right? Looking in from the outside. And by the time we're done editing it, it's back to something super generic. I mean, is that yep. part of the problem that it's so much harder to be uh, be human when when you have to go through this lengthy uh, approval help process? Absolutely. I think I see that often. And part of the solution to that is making sure that everybody who's going to have a hand in the process understands what the end goal is and understands the importance of injecting emotion into these marketing materials. Because I have seen that happen where, you know, you've got maybe a content marketing manager or a marketing manager who's got this awesome idea, very creative, that taps into emotion. And then by the time it makes it through all the executives and Anyone else who has to review in legal, you know, it's kind of a mangled mess from where the person started. And so that's where I think getting buy-in from everyone else before starting embarking on this um, type of project is really, really important. So the other thing, and I, I'm pretty sure it was the, uh, it was Casey Cheshire's uh, Hardcore Marketing Podcast uh, where I heard this, uh, where they talked about why is sales ever in charge of marketing when they didn't have any marketing experience. Like you don't put a marketing person in charge of sales when they don't have any sales experience. Do you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? And it's kind of, yes. it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, I'm a storyteller, I'm a, I'm a writer, I'm, you know, whatever content creation thing comes up next. What gives, like, why do you get to like pick apart what I just put together? Like you don't even have any background in that art. 
or that, right. you know, whatever. I mean, is that part of the discussion teams need to have? And until I heard that on, so when I heard that on Casey's show, I was thinking, you know what? I totally agree with that comment, but I'm not sure I've ever been anywhere where the teams actually have that conversation. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I do think that is a, a part of it. I think everyone has to have a clear understanding of what their role is in that process. And so if it's just a second set of eyes or um, to offer up, um, you know, experience that they're getting from the sales realm that might be useful to inject into the content, that's one thing. Um, but I think there needs to be clear communication between marketing and sales so that everyone's on the same page and they know, okay, this is what my role is in this process. And I can just leave it at that. Absolutely. And then how about, uh, and I'm trying to find it here as we're talking able to do it that quickly. But this, uh, the day we're recording this, uh, somebody on LinkedIn posted something about they didn't, they don't want to hire a creative marketer. They want, oh, here it is. Um, I'm working on a compelling CMO marketing role, not looking for creative, seeking strong strategists with heavy lead gen experience. And so Tom Wentworth posted that. He's the, that. He didn't write it, but he posted it. He's a CMO at Recorded Future. And he said, like, why can't you be creative if you're into lead gen? So where's that fight, fine line between, um, yes, we want results, but, you know, we also have to be creative, right? If we want to mm -hmm. be a, uh, add emotion into our marketing. Yes. And I think it's, coming to the understanding that those two things are interrelated, right? I think what research is showing, at least from what I've read, is that these creative marketing campaigns that have emotion and empathy are the ones that are seeing the best results. And so, again, it's getting buy-in so that everyone understands, hey, I understand that traditionally um, it may seem like being authoritative and a little bit more <clears throat> busy, for lack of a better word, is the right move here, but that's not what the research is showing. Research is showing that when we add a little bit of humor or um, joy into this marketing, that people are more responsive and they start to take the actions that we want them to take. You know, and do you think part of it is because of the, 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 um, the channel of writing, right? So when you write, you can edit and edit until you're red in the face and other mm -hmm. people can edit it. Uh, but one one way that I found that actually helps companies be a little bit more uh, human, so to speak, is to try podcasts, even if you are integrating the podcast with the written word. But for example, so we're talking on here and people can hear us, right? Like we literally cannot hide who we are, right? right? We sound how we sound. People like us or they don't. Um, and I mean, do you think, is that something that could help you start with like interviewing the experts on a podcast and then you just kind of transfer their voice or, or what do you think of that kind of model? Oh yeah, that's a great question. I think experimenting with different channels is so, so, so important. And it's another thing that kind of get that kind of falls between the cracks a lot of the time, um, because again, different messages and different tones and voices are going to resonate with people on differently on various channels. So the way that you might convey information in print might be a little bit more authoritative. Maybe you want to focus on white papers or something like that, but you can certainly take that information and turn it into something maybe a little bit more creative and engaging that is then a video of some sort or a, a podcast, like you say.
So when it when is the how do you know where that line is? So you mentioned you know you can add some humor, and I, I love humor. I think there's some good brands out there that have that have a nice voice. But where do you cross that line? And then also sometimes depending on what kind of humor you use, uh, not everybody gets it right. So I'll give you an example. Um, this is maybe not humor necessarily, but I I grew up um, in Europe, uh, moved to the United States in '95, and basically until 2000, you know, I was full time football player, right? And so when people come to me and they have a reference, like for a movie be before 2005, I don't get it. Like, I don't think mm -hmm. it's funny. I don't know anything about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. how do you, or, or I guess for, for jokes, for humor, uh, if you have a reference for something that's an older generation, right? And you're trying to reach a multi-generational audience, how do you kind of meant those different things? Or is it just, you got to know your audience and if the wrong people don't get it, who cares? I think it's it's a little bit of both. I definitely think that's where things like audience personas come into play. And those are super, super important, right? Because that's where, that's something you want to use to build out your content. So you know who you're talking to. So you know what kinds of things they find interesting. So you know where they go for their information. Um, now, I've also never seen, I guess, uh, an audience persona that's so detailed that you would know, um, you know, what kind of um, movies the person watches or, or something along those lines. <laughs> but you should be able to get a, a decent idea. And then I do think some of it is just um, experimenting and taking a little bit of risk and then iterating after that, getting getting that feedback, seeing how people react and then either continuing to go down that path or dialing it back a little bit, depending on what you're seeing from your audience. Yep. So I have seen personas that go way too deep into the weeds. <laughs> and I can tell you it doesn't work because you, yeah. you, you can't even remember um, what that person is all about. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm expected to know more about my personas than I know about my wife. Not a good setup. Doesn't work. <laughs> right. Um, so, <laughs> right. Um, so, so let's talk about like, how do you decide what level of emotion? And I mean, do you set out and, and just say, this is the emotion I'm trying to get out of people? Or how do you like walk me through the process that you implement when you, when you try to run a good B2B campaign like that? Sure. Well, I think it starts the way any campaign would, and that's figuring out what you want to say. What's the point? Why are people, why do we want people to read this or view this or listen to this? What do we want them to take away from it? And then you sort of reverse engineer the story from there. And, you know, I think that takes a little bit of trial and error. It certainly is great to have a team to collaborate with. Um, and you just, for me, at least it's, it's figuring out the who, what, where, when, why, and how, and then what's the most interesting way we can get all that information across to our audience. And again, I think collaboration is best. I also think it's great to be aware of other campaigns that are happening. Um, you know, that, that printer commercial that I talked about, I thought was so clever. Um, so I like to keep my finger on the pulse of what other brands are doing and how they're incorporating really great storytelling into their campaigns and what can I borrow or take away from that. So when you're saying commercials, what are the, the channels? I mean, is it, are we, are we mostly talking about ads or are we talking about uh, content marketing campaigns or like how, what are the different assets where people can use these things? I, I think it's applicable across the board. Um, you know, I, I see less, 
straightforward commercials, but certainly, you know, people that have active YouTube channels and that are maybe driving um, people to specific campaigns um, that go across various media. So again, podcasts, videos, um, and then websites or microsites even. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting because, so of course you are a content marketer, I'm a content marketer and, and five years ago, I think most content marketers would have never admitted or even said, oh yeah, advertise, advertising is part of the mix, right? Mm -hmm. back, then, yep. back then we said, oh, we're, we don't do advertising. We don't need to. <laughs> um, yep. And of course things have changed, right? So I'm, I'm, very, um, I'm very much in agreement that yes, it's, it's all of the above. So, but how do you know the emotion actually got you the action that you needed or is moving people closer. So I'm just thinking about, um, so here's the story and, and they certainly, they told a good story uh, or not a, not, not a good story, but they told a story that's very emotional and it was um, the concussion. I'm trying to remember the name concussion foundation. Maybe I can pull it up here uh, while we're talking. That's not pulling up, of course. The Concussion Foundation, a former teammate um, actually had uh, CTE, right, which is a concussion uh, illness. You know, it, it can show up many, many decades after you play football and other sports. And so his mother um, wrote a very, very touching story. And like, I mean, I cried, right, when I read it. So he ultimately committed suicide and, um, and I donated right? Mm. And of course, I also knew him. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure their goals are not just a donation, even though they were plenty right. of donation buttons, their goals are education, awareness. And also, of course, they need to raise funds. But uh, other like, how do you measure that? So if I didn't give like, let's say, if you can move it to a B2B example, that's fine. But if I didn't give, how do they know that it touched me, right? Or that I was crying when I read the story. And um, do you know what I mean? Like, how do you measure the yeah. success? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think it's a mix of things. Certainly, there are some measurable metrics to keep track of. One is, you know, how many doma donations did we ultimately get? Uh, but there's also things like page views or shares. And, you know, that we're getting into talking about how things go viral. And I think there are other, um, I, I'm certain some people call these vanity metrics that uh, still indicate, you know, perhaps the people didn't take the exact action you wanted, but it's an indication that people were engaged and people were paying attention to this. So you're making the case that vanity metrics, would, I don't use that term, but um, that those do matter, right? They can, yeah. I think they, they that's more information you're collecting, right? And again, I think it, it can be dangerous to look at just one set of metrics. I think you kind of have to look at everything all together and see what kind of picture that paints as to the success of a campaign. So are we seeing a good amount of donations? Are we also seeing that many people are sharing this? Are we seeing people are, you know, perhaps reacting to this or engaging with this in a different way we than we anticipated? Um, and all of those things are important. And I think also looking at your overarching content marketing strategy and how these things fit into the big picture as well. Because sometimes you, you see trickle down effects later on down the road. And I think that's interesting to keep in mind too. 
You know, what's interesting too, I, so I totally think all the, all the numbers matter, all the numbers we can get our hands on that have anything to do with what we're trying to do. Because at the end of the day, uh, marketing is a numbers game, right? If I don't reach the right people, we had uh, Tamara Burkett on the show a while back. If you guys want to go back and check it out, she talked about that only 3% of your audience that you're reaching is ready to buy at any given time. Um, and so what that means, if you reach 100 relevant people, only three people are most likely ready to buy at that time. Um, mm -hmm. so, so you do have to reach um, the, a good amount of the right people, right? Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, um, so we talked about that. How do people, how do they get started to, to do better marketing? What's, I mean, if you're working in a company, this is how we've done it. You've heard that before, I'm sure. This is how it is. This is who we are. We're stiff. Nobody ever says they're stiff in their marketing plan, and then they end up stiff anyways. Um, you yeah. know, how, how how do we get started? I mean, it's it, it's probably not starting with a plan, even though you need a plan, but I've never, have you ever seen a plan that says, we sound stiff? You know what? I, I've heard that come up before <laughs> during planning sessions, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and I think it is. I think this is something that, at least in my experience, more B2B companies are becoming aware of. And I think part of it is just the nature of how people are getting their information now. I think, you know, people are on social media, even LinkedIn, and it's less about talking at people than it is engaging with people and keeping it a little bit more conversational and fluid. And so I think if you can even just start small with that, maybe it's it's an organization that doesn't think there's anything on social for them, um, you know, just running a test campaign and, and confirming that or proving that that's in fact not true. Um, and I think it's just building off of that. And I think experiments are so, so important um, because you don't know if you don't try. And so it's it's tough. I, th I think a lot of companies do get stuck in this cycle where they say, this is what we've always done and this is the way it's worked. And that's absolutely true, but you never know if it could work better if you don't try something different. Yeah. And sometimes I think you just have to try it. I mean, the one example that comes to my mind is, uh, so I was working with uh, the, the Rush Tech uh, podcast. So this it's um, tech talk for accountants. So he's trying to reach accountants. He's creating content for accountants. And so just, uh, you know, it's such a minor example, but he always says, instead of saying, uh, smash the subscribe buttons, button, you know how everybody says that on their podcasts or videos, mm -hmm. they say, smash the subscribe button. He says, <laughs> uh, he says, um, why don't you stop crunching numbers for a minute and crunch our subscribe button? And it's, <laughs> do you know, it's like just a little thing, but it's yes. like, it's so much different than saying, don't forget to subscribe. Bye. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a great example of personalization too, right? Which I think is also very, very important and ties into the whole element of emotion. Um, people tend to react when you're addressing them specifically. And I love that, that he's able to sort of tie something that really resonates with accountants, his target audience into the action that he wants them to take. It's brilliant. Right. But it's so simple. It's really like one sentence in, yeah. in a big piece of content. Um, so how, what what else can people do? And, and so here's the other question I actually have before we want to get to that for another minute is um, how um, how do people 
um, how do people react? So when we say emotion, so I'm just thinking about this stuff, all the stuff I consume during the day. Like I have a, it's a spectrum of response, right? It's like, oh, I'm disappointed, you know, or um, yeah, I kind of care about that, but I got to move on um, mm -hmm. to very subtle, to really like the example I gave of my former teammate, you know, who, 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 uh, who uh, committed suicide to crying. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like, it's the whole spectrum, right? So we're not always looking for the extremes, I assume. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that sort of ties into um, that other thing you mentioned about 3% of people are ready to buy at any given time. Uh, it's really hard to predict how anyone's going to react or whether or not they're going to have the emotional response that you intended for them to have. Um, you know, people go through different things throughout the day and they're in different states of mind when they consume that content. So it can be very difficult to pin down that said, um, you know, you as long as you have a general idea of your intention with the content you're creating, um, I think that's really the the best you can do. You certainly can't account for all of the different variables that are going to impact your audience um, and how they receive your content. You just have control over what you're putting out there. Yeah, it's also timing. You know, a lot of times, and I know we've had. Um, the guys from the email marketing show on here before they talked about when do you send emails? And I said, mm -hmm. I, I love their example. They said, you know what? Uh, there's only so much time in the day. So if everybody sends at 7 a.m. on a Monday, maybe you should send it at 719 or 819 or pick a weird time like that. Um, mm -hmm. But when I get content, it's a lot about timing, right? If I really, really care about the topic, I might still breathe by it. And uh, some of that we can't com control, right? I mean, I can't control right. when people see my tweet, I guess. Right. Right. I mean, again, you can control when you send the email or when you tweet, but that's absolutely right. You have no idea when someone's actually going to open the email or when they're going to you know, log on to Twitter, if they'll be on at that time. Um, so it's just taking the data that's available in terms of best send times or best times to post to certain social channels uh, and do the best you can with that. And then it's a little bit out of your hands. But again, I think some of that is also very specific to different industries. So it's collecting your own data about when the best time to do those things is, and then using that information for campaigns moving forward. So I, I've heard the argument actually for a long time, B2B is their business. They're not, they don't want this. They don't want that. They don't, they don't, they don't consume content on the weekend. And I'm like, they don't have cell phones, you know, um, of course, of course they do. Um, but do you think like how many more decades, I guess, until we get past that, how B2B is so different from B2C or, or maybe it is, uh, you tell me. I, you know, that's a great question as well. I don't know when we will stop hearing that, but I think it's important to remember that business to business is still people to people when you break it down, right? A, a business entity is not making a purchase at the end of the day. Someone as, that is a part of that business is, and they read emails on the weekends and they, you know, peruse business articles on the weekends um, and during the week, just like anyone else would. So I think it's important to kind of recognize the similarities between uh, B2B and B2C in that regard. And to remember that 
it's still people that you're connecting with. It's still people that you want to engage with at the end of the day. And I, I would actually, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear your um, experience on this, but, but B2C to an extent seems a little easier because so if some, if I'm, you know, I'm buying something as a consumer, it's really just me making the decision. At the yep. most, I might have to go to my wife, right? And my wife has input on, on what I want to buy. Um, but in B2B, I mean, I've been in front of like 12, 12 people, um, 12 person uh, uh, buying committees, right? So uh, <laughs> could, I mean, does that sound familiar to you? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that is the reality of B2B. And if anything, I think that's even more reason why emotion is important in marketing because these people, these purchasing committees are inundated with content all the time. And you've got, you know, a team of five, let's say, that are just getting content from every direction about what the right purchase decision is. Um, it's really going to take some sort of emotional reaction to stand out and, and pull someone away from that white noise. And so I, I do think that that's where the emotion and the empathy and being able to really connect with someone as opposed to just feed them all of this information is what can make or break uh, a sale like that. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, at the end of the day, um, the product has to deliver what marketing promised emotional mm -hmm. or not. Um, Ashley, where can people find you on the web? Where can they connect with you? Website, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, whatever you want to share. Yeah, absolutely. So the website is contentrewired.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Ashley Pointer is the um, slash Ashley Pointer, or you can just type me into the search bar. And I'm also on Twitter at Ace girl with no I. So A C E G R L. Eight. Okay. So two follow up questions. Ace girl, what's the story? <laughs> so I uh, was a volleyball player way back okay. in the day, and I had a pretty mean spin serve. So I got the nickname Ace and uh, just tagged on the girl to it. That was, you know, my Twitter handle since the beginning of Twitter. It <laughs> just kind of stuck. Fantastic. And then what's the story behind content rewired? Um, so I think it, it, it dovetails very nicely into what we've been talking about. And it's really um, helping B2B companies. And we specialize uh, with fintechs in particular to rewire their content from this very dry, uh, you know, boring sort of content to something that's more engaging and um, emotional and interesting to people. It's so it's partially about, I mean, unlearning some of the things we've been taught, right? I mean, that's kind of, that's what Daniel Murray, we had an episode with him. Uh, he's a, a marketing ops over at Service Titan. He talked about how you have to, we got to learn all this stuff and then we got to unlearn it because stuff yep. evolves. Um, I mean, do you agree with that or how do you feel about that terminology? Oh, yeah. Everything is constantly in flux, right? With technology, things are changing rapidly, and it's just a matter of staying on top of it and figuring out how the new stuff fits into your marketing campaigns. Things are always evolving. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate uh, you sharing your insights, Ashley. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. You bet. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. 
please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Thank you.